making a digital racket. I am making a digital racket. I am making a digital racket. I am making a digital racket. Oh, my name is Michael O'Dee. Welcome to Digital Racket, the Zinecast, episode number one of 2016. On this episode, I'll be interviewing Carter Cruz, and I'll be talking about the app Zcast and a slew of other items that I've come across. This episode is really just a way of dipping my toe in to podcast land again. I had done the Most Pure DJs podcast for about 10 years. In its 10th anniversary, I stopped doing it. Just kind of, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't intentionally stop, but I put out an episode and then I hadn't put one out since. My heart just wasn't in it and things had changed. So I decided the only way to get back into it is to turn over a new leaf and do something a little different. And, you know, I need a new name for it. And Digital Racket, I think, is a better name for what I'm doing now than most people are DJs because it's a lot more of, I'm doing photography. I'm putting together this zine, and it's called Digital Racket. More on that in a couple seconds. And I'm also doing a lot more writing. So all those things, are, you know, I think, have a, Digital Racket is a better way to explain them. It's a better kind of venue for it. Digital Racket is a zine. I put out an issue a couple years ago, then I just put out a new issue at the end of 2015. This zinecast, and I'm calling it a zinecast because it's a companion piece to the zine. The zine I put out at the end of 2015 is a, Z, is a year in review. I have a lot of photos. I take them all the time, and I actually do interviews, talk to people. All these things get published. A lot gets published. Some gets published in Metro Times. Some gets published on Motor City Blog. Then some of it just kind of sits there. I wanted to put all that pull all that together and put it out my own thing. And that's what Digital Racket, the year in review is. I enjoyed doing it so much that I decided this year it'd be a lot easier and have a lot more fun all year long if I did one for every month. So January's just ended. I'm going to put out a January issue. It won't be like the, the year in review really was like a scrapbook of 2015. This one will be more of a zine, I think, in, its, in the way it looks and how it is. But it's much more photos, limited words. Uh, and much more something you can flip through almost any time and not get too distracted by it. Or, you, you know, the photos will be distracting, but that's the way, that's intentional. It's supposed to be that way. That will come out in a couple weeks. This is kind of the zine cast, a preview to what might be in that zine. I haven't put it together yet, so I can't tell you it's all a preview to it, but some of it will be. This will include, so the extra, so in the, the zine cast, I'll put a little extra content in. I'll put a little bit of uh, fun stuff in here that you won't get in the zine. And in the zine, you'll get things that you won't get in the zine cast. So if you really want to enjoy Digital Racket, you'll want to do both. Digital Racket is available a couple different places. It's on Tumblr. You can just type in the URL, www.digitalracket.com. And then it's also, you know, you can follow it on Facebook. If you type in Digital Racket, you'll see the website for that, the Facebook page for that as well. I don't have a website kind of blog in particular for it yet because I... It just seems, it's one more thing I have to do. And the Tumblr is easy, the Facebook page is easy, and really it's to bring you to the things that I'm doing, such as the zine and this zinecast. The other, the, so the zine you can find, if you go to issue, it's issuu.com. Write that down because there's so much good stuff on there. You know, my, my, my little zine digital racket is just one of so many thousands of things that they have there to look at. I'll put it up there regularly. There might be some other places. I know that I don't have to keep it just on, on issue, but right now I think it's a really good place. I want more people to use that website. At the beginning of Most People Are DJs, I would normally play a song. And that song would be more than just like I wanted to introduce uh, music. It would be a way of getting 
myself, it's almost like a, like a meditation thing, almost a way of getting me in the mood to do the rest of the show. So I want to keep doing that. I want to play at least one or two songs every episode, and I want to play at the start, so I can just kind of play that, and then it'll get me the feeling into it. And it'll always be a great song, I promise. I promise it'll always be good. This song uh, for this month is by the band called Radiation City. They're from Portland, and uh, it's two couples, which is I think is interesting. I don't know too many bands that are two cu- made of two couples that have formed together. So, you know, two guys, two uh, women. The women do most of the vocal works. They all play different instruments. And their new album is called Synesthetic. <laughs> you know what? If you listen to most people are DJs, you know that I am bad at pronouncing things. That's not going to stop. Even if I, even with this title's album, I tried so hard to like pronounce it before I did the episode. Then it comes right up to it. I look at the word, and I'm still having trouble with it. Synesthetica. Synesthetica. That's the way I'm going to pronounce it. That's on Polyvinyl, coming out February 12th. So this is the first like kind of single. I don't like that word anymore because I don't know how it's meaning it has any longer. But this is actually coming out before the record, so you're kind of getting a little preview for it. And this is the song called Juicy.
was Juicy by Radiation City. And let's see. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention about that is they are playing the Marble Bar, which is a local club in the area that I have not been to yet. And they've had so many good shows. I just haven't made it there. March 7th they're playing. I've got it on my calendar. I'm going to go. So, you know, this is kind of a preview as to what will come up in a couple months when I put the March out and I put some photos in of Radiation City, who looks like to be a very kind of... They'll be great photos, I can tell, because they they look very artistic in their photos and uh, very photogenic. Uh, I, like, I really dig that song. Lots of good harmonies on that. So what, there are things going on around that I've been paying attention to that uh, I just want to bring to your attention. And one of those my friend Joe, Bazooka Joe, brought to me last week. He was talking about this app called Zcast. And Zcast, is a, it's a conference call app. It's really a lot like Skype. Um, but I would say it, it is actually much more in when you have those uh, boring conference calls at work and you have to call people in from all over. Zcast is an app for that, but you can do it at home with your friends so it's not the boring conference call thing that you think of with it. It's really easy to use. I did one last week with uh, Bazooka Joe, and, and he is the so he has the Solips, Solipsistic Nation podcast. And if you've come across that podcast come to me, then you already know what it is. If not, you've never listened to it. If you like experimental electronic music, it's a really good podcast for that. That's Solipsistic Nation. We had a conversation with uh, two other people. So we just talked about music. We talked about a lot of other things. I thought it was really cool. What I couldn't do with it was it was it's a point in time conversation. You can't there's no recording device for it. You have to put it on MP3. So I don't know that you could effectively do a podcast with it or what else you could do with it besides have a good, you know, good little chat with your friends on it uh, for free, basically, and have it done very easily. So that app is on, I believe it's both on Google Play or Android. Then it's also on iTunes. So check that out. Uh, Download it. uh, Set one up. Now, we were going to do one, I think, even this week, or we might even make a regular occurrence of doing one. I'm just not sure, though, that uh, that's the way I'd want to do our discussions because, Sometimes I feel like, oh, they're pretty good. Uh, maybe other people would like to listen to them. The other thing I checked out this week, and this was kind of a, this was kind of funny. So I listened to, and, and this is nothing that uh, I go out of my way to listen to, but the Jay Moore sports show is on uh, in my area from 5 o'clock on. And Jay Moore, I don't think, is a great sports announcer, but I think he's funny. So I will listen to it to hear his voices that he does and, and some of the funny things he says. But a lot of times, you know, I just get kind of, either bored or even sometimes pissed off at it because he just doesn't talk about sports and listen to something else. But in his podcast, he was talking about how Michael Rappaport, Rappaport, I just actually learned how to pronounce that correctly recently. I think I'd always skip that second P, but he he was talking about Michael Rappaport and how he was pissed off at Michael Rappaport that Michael Rappaport has a podcast and he wanted to invite Jay Moore on, but then Jay Moore was like, well, wait a minute, I tried to have him on my podcast, and the guys totally avoided me, so screw him. And it was kind of funny because then I, when he mentioned it, I thought, oh, Michael Rappaport's got a podcast? I think I want to listen to that. And uh, so thanks to Jay Moore for actually introducing me to the Michael Rappaport podcast. Michael Rappaport, is a, uh, he's an actor, and uh, you can, you'll recognize him if you've, you know, if you've seen a, a fair amount of movies or a fair amount of TV you know who he is. He was on Justified last season. He had this horrible New Orleans accent that he did. And he wasn't right for the part, but he, he's a really good actor. He was recently on a TV show that nobody watched that I thought was a really good TV show called Public Morals, 
one season. I don't know if they'll do a second. He was the partner to the lead cop in it. Really good uh, 1960s police drama that was trying to do kind of a mad, uh, like a madman of the police activities in the 1960s. That's what I thought they were trying to do. And I thought they did a fairly good job of it. But it was kind of cartoony and it wasn't spectacularly written. It was just fun to watch. I'm still hoping they do a second season of it. He, uh, let's see, so movies he's been in, ton of movies. I always remember him from way, way, way back. No one else has seen this movie, but he did a movie called Zebrahead. And Zebrahead was one of the first movies about a kind of, a, what would they call it? They called the uh, white guy trying to be black <laughs> syndrome. That, And it was really about him. You know, he grew up in the inner city of this movie. And he, I think he really, he identified more with the black community than he did with his own. And that and it was really about kind of the thing, the struggle kind of around it and whether he was coming off as fake or not. I remember it being a pretty good movie. I haven't actually seen it since like 87 or whatever it came out. But that was my introduction to Michael Rappaport. I've always kind of always had him in the back of my mind and followed him since. This podcast, whenever somebody famous does a podcast, I always want to check it out to see what kind of angle they take. He does the same angle as everybody else. He does some interviews. He does a lot of, you know, then he talks about his views on things. But he's very excited, almost as excited as I am. Actually, he's more excited. But he talks at a rapid pace, you know, rapid fire. He, the, he covers the topics that he likes, uh, which is reasonable. That's what I do. He talks about basketball, movies, and pop culture. Here's the thing. If you don't have an interest in those things, you may not like the podcast. But he gives a funny perspective on all these things, and a unique one. And he's very honest. I think he's honest to a fault because he doesn't, um, he doesn't mince words. And, you know, here's a, here's a guy that his main, his bread and butter is starring in TV shows and movies, but he'll talk shit about people in those movies or behind the scenes in the TV shows. So I wonder if this will impact his getting jobs or maybe it will help him. It definitely brings more attention to it. When I'm listening to the podcast, and some, sometimes I listen to it, he's so excited in what he's doing and so enthusiastic. He comes across, as, and just the way he does it, he almost reminds me of like an SNL news correspondent. They'll, you know, those people they bring on during SNL news and, and they try to, it's actually a satire, but his podcast reminds me of that. He could actually do that the way he rants and goes on about things. It, you should check out the podcast. And that's, you know, that, this is, these are the many assorted things that have come, come, was, have come through in the past month. I'm sure there'll be another podcast I'll mention next month. Why do I want to go into the next one? I'm looking at my, my outline for the show and I was like, I don't even know how I want to talk about the next one. David Bowie died in January. He had a birthday in January. Then he died like two days later. Devastated. I mean, I don't even have a lot of words for it because I haven't been able to kind of put them all. I haven't been able to actually to kind of formulate all the words that I want to say about it. But I was. it hit me hard. And here's what I'll say about David Bowie. If you go back through, if you were to look at my history, you know, like a book and go through the pages. And you went way back to the first album, one of the first albums I bought, Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars you'd see that that album had a huge influence on all the music that I listened to afterwards. And every time uh, I had a few extra bucks, I'd buy used albums. Those first albums that I bought, a lot of them were David Bowie records. They, you know, I bought Aladdin Sane right after, Diamond Dogs, which a lot of people I think overlook Diamond Dogs. I'll say that's my favorite, bar none, David Bowie album. I can listen to that one front to back uh, constantly. I just think it's the, 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 the whole thing of the music that he was doing at that time and all the different songs on that album. It's a really good rocking album, too. He just, so all the music I've listened to, a lot of it I listened to afterwards, I'd say, boy, there's some piece of Bowie. They were influenced by Bowie. 
So I liked it because it was it's there's some piece of Bowie within it. And there's so much music that has it out there. They call him a chameleon. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was a chameleon. And, and there were shades of him that some of them I, I didn't like quite as much. Like I was never uh, the biggest young American fan. And now later on in life, I find I'm appreciating that phase of David Bowie more than some of the others. Uh, so, you know, you can grow with it too and you can come back to it. We're going to move on from talking about David Bowie and move to my interview. I interviewed Carter Cruz on January 2nd. She was doing a set at Electricity. Uh, I got familiar with who she was and the things that in her DJing activity. I thought she'd be an interesting person to talk to, and I found out she was. She was actually very charming to sit and uh, talk to for the, uh, I think, 20 minutes that I got to talk to her to. A little bit of a weird experience. I hadn't done interviews at Electricity before, but there's a little tucked away room. You have to go through this little maze of places to get to their green room to interview the artist. And uh, she was there working on her set list. You can actually, we'll talk about kind of her process with it. You can hear that in the interview. It's 11 minutes. And I think that uh, we cover some territory, her DJ experiences. Underneath the interview, you can hear her latest SoundCloud mixtape, which is, I think, Carter Cruz number four. She's working on number five. It should be out shortly. Uh, they're kind of cool to have in the background. And they're... Uh, very energetic music to play in the car while you're driving around. If she comes to your area DJing, she's worth seeing. She's very, she does a great set. Uh, she gets the crowd going. And she really views the DJ experience as a serious endeavor for her. And some people don't give her credit for that. Some people think that because she has another life that you can find on Google, that they don't take her very seriously as a DJ, which I feel is wrong when I saw the amount of work that she puts into it. And she talked about how much of a part of her life it is. So, I, you know, like I say, I, I think it's a really fun interview. We had a lot of fun talking. So here is the Carter Cruz interview. Carter Cruz, my name is Mike. Hi. Hello. Have you been to uh, this area before? Um, yeah, actually, I was just here a couple of weeks ago, I think, a month ago. Yes, a month ago. Yeah, yeah. I played at V Nightclub at okay. the MGM Grand. I've been there before. That's a different scene than here. Totally different, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally different, which is good. It's good to, like, switch it up a little bit, you know? So is this your process? You kind of, like, do you have, like, a feeling before you come in and then you set your playlist, or is your playlist already set? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I usually have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to play based on, like, the crowd. I, like, spend a lot of time thinking about what I want to play, so it depends on the age range, how early I'm playing, like, from opening or from headlining, um, and then just like what the area is into, and I actually played um, Grand Rapids here, yeah, in, like a few months ago too. And I like know all the kids here, are, like super, like they like bass, like they like shit that I can't normally play. So you know, it's different. And then like last night, I played for a bunch of kids in Greek life, you know. So it was like a much more toned down set. So I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and then also just like you know, like how drunk people are going to be, you know, like all determines what I'm going to play. How did you spend your New Year's Eve? Um, I was in North Carolina, which is where I'm from, mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually crazy, it's all the people that I know, but it was kind of like a more private event, like a New Year's Eve kind of party, um, it was kind of like a last minute booking, but it was like, it was kind of cool, like it wasn't my normal scene, um, but it was uh, good to switch it up, and to be like, it was more like being, you know, instead of doing a show, it's like I was a DJ, like I had to like, like they want me to play, like, you know those songs, like. Right. You know like, those like classic throwbacks, like no diggity or whatever. I played that. I was like, oh my god, why am I playing this? <laughs> <laughs> but I had to throw a few of those in to like make people happy because I want to hear that. So it's like, different things. Cool. 
<laughs> then you play here, and then uh, do you go somewhere like after here? Um, no, I think I go home tomorrow. Or yeah, I think I go home for this. Yeah. Yeah. So does that work for you? Like just flying in and out of places, one night, doing one nights? Uh, well, I was in New York, and then I was in North Carolina, and then I was here, and then I go home. So yeah. Uh, but you don't, I don't really get to play like more than one night in the city, so it's usually one and done. Oh, really? I stayed in New York for like four days, which was nice. Yeah, big week. Got to see a lot of my friends play. It was cool. So we're starting off 2016, and do you have like uh, ambitions? Like, you know, like I did this last year, but this is what I want to do this year. <laughs> um, always. <laughs> um, well, I just started like learning to produce and stuff. Mm-hmm. I never really saw myself as a producer. That's not what I like started off that wasn't my aspiration to begin with um but then like I started being like I kind of want to learn how to do this you know and then someone taught me a few things and I actually last week I played like my own like mashups and stuff for the first time out like I normally wouldn't play them anywhere and uh, so that was really exciting so hopefully in 2016 I'll be able to grow on that so did this like start as like a kind of like a little hobby for you then it just became like a bigger yeah pretty much yeah it was like uh like four years ago or something I was got super into EDM and I was like I would go go dance and stuff and I would but I would go to clubs and be like man like like I hate this music like everyone's playing the same stuff like my music's so much better you know and I just would always be the person that's like finding new music and like showing it to my friends and um then I wanted to like be able to I was like you know I want to be able to have my I want to be able to get on stage and no one tells me to get off so I can dance and no one's in my way and you're not like in this crazy like sweaty crowd I don't have my space and I want to play my music and um I like saw Gareth Emery actually was in, in North Carolina mm-hmm. and um not a huge trans fan but he was so awesome like just his energy and I just remember watching him and I like told my friend like I'm learning how to do that she's like okay whatever and so I like got I like convinced this kid that lived across the street from me to like teach me on his shitty little mixer and it was just yeah it was just a hobby and then um the guy that manages me now he's like you know you can like make money from this I was like really like (laughs) me you know so then it just kind of like developed from there so everywhere you play is it it, the setup's a little different Mm -hmm. Do you pick up on it quick, or is it something that you're like, uh, do you ever get like, I don't know, like, kind of like worried, or uh, do you ever like walk into a scene like, oh my god, what is this setup? Like, yeah, I always have anxiety because I'm a perfectionist, so I'm always like, what the fuck? There's always something wrong, but that's one thing about like, 80% of DJing is like, you know, you have your song selection, you know, you, well, you have to know how to DJ first of all, then you have to have good song selection, and then the rest of it is just troubleshooting everything that is going to go wrong with your equipment for the whole night and like or the sound system or with this or you're dealing with this drunk person i've played shows like for frats and it's like kids are jumping on the stage and i'm like holding my laptop so it doesn't fall off you know and like you know the it's skipping the music skipping because people are jumping right. so much so you never know what's going to happen and like when i first started like playing shows i hated that because it was like i was like oh my god like uh, but now it's kind of fun it's like what's going to happen this time and like it's that you never get bored because there's always something new to like learn and like deal with and I like that part of it yeah mm-hmm. I'm a total nerd so I have to ask you have you seen the new Star Wars movie I haven't but like don't because <laughs> I really want to see it but I've literally been traveling ever since it came out and like I'm like oh fuck and I want to go see it so, so you don't need like two hours open to go do it I, exactly so when I get back to LA I'll go see it definitely I'm excited <laughs> alright who's your favorite superhero it's <laughs> a good one. It's a good question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, fuck. I'm absolutely Supergirl. Okay. Because I feel like she's like me, you know? You watching the show? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be Supergirl and you wouldn't even know it. 
<laughs> Under, underneath my uniform hunger breakfast shirt that I got, which is pretty. In between saving bag. the world, yeah, I, I just ripped this shit off and I have like a little super girl outfit on. You have no idea, you know, just like a little blonde chick. So, yeah, I identify with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. No, I mean, but no, I've not seen the new show. Okay, it's good. I don't own a TV. I never have. So really? Maybe eventually when it comes on Netflix, I'll watch it, but. Yeah. Pretty active on Twitter. Do you like Twitter? Do you like I that? Love it. Yeah? Twitter. Yeah. I love it. It's not like a huge social media. You know, people always like Twitter. But I mean, I'm more of a word person than a photo person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's like the most interactive way. Like, I love being able to interact with all my fans on there. And I think it's like, it's just super cool. Like, you just like talk shit to people. And like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I get to like know a lot of my fans. I actually, a girl that came tonight, she like has followed me since like early as fuck. And so I was like, she finally made it out to the show. I'm like, so cool. Like, you know, like someone that I've like randomly tweeted and like I kind of know who she is and like whatever. And then I get to meet them and I, I like that part of it. Do you kind of like think of yourself as kind of like, and this is a weird one, but, it, but I, I think of it this way, like a role model, like a left field role model, right? <laughs> Um, like, you know, like there are ways to inspire you. Like, you know, I mean, people need to take different routes to get to different places. Yeah, I know, definitely. I mean, I think. And you work hard. Yeah. Right? I think that, yeah, you know, this is actually way harder than like waitressing or something. You know, I do <laughs> that was like a lot less, like, I mean, it's like harder as in the sense, like, I, I just, I, to me, things that are hard are things that I find boring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, this is probably more work, but like doing something like waitressing was just like I hated it. So I'm like, oh my god! Like it's not really hard. Like you mm-hmm. know, it's like it's not a difficult job, but it's it was very hard for me, and I was a terrible waitress to be honest. So <laughs> I would be really good with like a small with like one table, like get like huge tips. But if I had like more than three tables, I'm like, oh fuck! There's so many people here. <laughs> but I guess yeah, I think it's a. It's cool though that like people will come up, girls will come up to me and they'll be like, "You like have inspired me to like be more like open with like who I am and like more comfortable and confident in like my body and all that kind of stuff." And I think that's really awesome. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be like a role model per se. Right. In society, there always have to be people that like drive society forward, and there's always going to be people who do things that are totally outside the box. And people look at them and they're like, "That person's fucking crazy." But if those people never did that, then, like, society would never move forward because they're what normalizes, you know, things. Right. Um, so I think that someone has to do it. It's just a matter of, are you going to be the person that's, you know, are you going to are you going to do it and you're going to be you're going to be in the left field? Or are you going to be, like, the follower, like, 10 years later? Right. To me, it's all about being non-judgmental, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I just want. Like, open, just open-minded that people, you know, can be nice or good people talk to you no matter where they're from or what they're doing and that yeah. you should not you should never you know judging like you know pro, so just promoting like non-judgmental thought totally and also like my main message to people I guess is like that you're not um, like you know we're as limitless as we allow ourselves to be so you're not restricted by labels or stigmas or you know whatever it is like just because you have this label you have this title whatever it is it doesn't mean that you can't do something else and I think people feel very boxed in by these stereotypes and whatever we get them and you know you can transcend that and I kind of want to like prove that point I guess so that other people feel comfortable like trying to do the same thing <laughs> so they got your mixtape out you just yeah. put out what about a, mo- uh, a couple weeks ago 
Yes, but I actually put it out so long ago. SoundCloud <laughs> took it down five minutes after. And then I was like so disheartened. I was like, I took like a month to redo it. <laughs> My manager's like, I didn't do it. I'm like, I know, but I'm like so upset. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's out now. But I'm probably gonna do a new one in like a few weeks. Cause like that one was like already done. I just had to replace like eight songs on it or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty awesome, I think. I think actually it's my favorite one yet, I think. I really like three, but it, they each get every, like, my first one was very, like, I'm, like, I was just getting started out, you know, mm -hmm. it was comfortable, there was, like, a lot less, you know, there was a lot fewer songs in it, and now I'm, like, getting super ambitious, and probably, how are we going to fit this many songs into an hour? I'm, like, oh, I'm fed it, you know? Like, <laughs> I want to fit as much shit into possible so I can share it with people. That's cool. So, you're, so your next one, do you find, like, do you change genres to each one, or do you try to keep it consistent? Um, you know, they started off like very trappy, um, but now I'm kind of like expanding and mostly now I'm trying to do is like just find cool music. Like mm -hmm. this one song I'm actually played tonight and I'm like obsessed with it, but I had like 3,000 plays, you know, and I'm like, this song is so dope and I want to find stuff like that. And it all has a similar vibe to mm -hmm. me. Um, it's like party music. Right. I go a little bit, it's not totally mainstream, but enough that like the average college kid you know i want to like introduce people to electronic music so it's not like so bass heavy that people are like i can't even handle that you know but it's not so mainstream that it's boring it's like it's towing the line so you kind of like dip your toes in a little bit we're almost at the end of the episode now so if you made it this far a couple more minutes to go Part of what I do, you know, the zine is all about things I've experienced during the month. So I thought I would, in this podcast, talk about a couple of those things to kind of set you up for what you're going to see in the zine. Magical Clouds played the UFO Factory, uh, middle of the month show, with She Devils. And I'd seen She Devils before. Really good band. Uh, Magical Clouds is a phenomenal band. Uh, just two guys, you know, a little bit of a, I don't want to call it electric, you know, it's not electronic, it's definitely not. It's more, I like to call it, it's not, yeah, I call it emotional music, then people think emo, and it's definitely not emo. But it is a vocal with some subtle electronics in the background. And he tells stories, he, he, he sings in this tremendous voice, and most of those songs are narratives that he's put together. Really good narratives. Like, there are not a lot of bands that I listen to the lyrics to anymore, but Magical Cloud, Magical Clouds, every song draws me in. They draw me in deep. I mean, I listen to the words he says, you know, I, I will stop what I'm doing and listen to a Magical Clouds episode, a little song. I can't, um, I can't listen to Magical Clouds and try and work on something else because I get too distracted by the words that he's saying. Really good show. It's first time I'd ever been to UFO Factory. I will definitely go there again. A really fun place and nice setup. I, the whole thing about it makes it a unique experience. The fact that it almost looks like you're in a UFO when you're inside it. You get the and the, the way the stage is set up, things that are around it. It's all silver inside, silver and gray. I got my photo taken inside with the lead singer from Magical Clouds, and we took it in this area where there's a lot of silver around it. My hair looks so great in that photo; it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, and I have gone through. I, I had to post it there. My hair is not that great, but it was part of the effect of it. Neat effect. I'm going to see Diet Sig there, and Diet Sig's a new band. I think. I've, played them on the most people dj podcast if not check them out in february so you'll hear about that so many things coming up the last thing i don't mention is moog fest and you'll hear me talk about moog fest probably throughout the year when i looked back when i thought about 2016 
I thought there's one, you know, every year there's going to be one big thing I want to do, one big event that I want to go to. Eventually it'll be San Diego with Comic-Con, but not this year. This year I'm going to go to Moogfest. It's in Durham, North Carolina, May 19th through the 22nd. The list of people who are going to be there is unbelievable, but first and foremost, it is Gary Newman doing his first three albums, one each night. So he is like their main guest, and he's their resident person, resident guest there. Along with, with is it Giza, GZA, from Wu-Tang Clan? And so many other good artists, Julia Holter, a lot of people that I've seen before. I'm going to drive down to uh, Durham, North Carolina in May. I want uh, everybody else to look into it. Yeah, it's a little expensive, but when you look at the list and the things they're doing, it's more than just seeing live bands. It's This is Moogfest. I mean, they're talking about one of the key instruments in synth pop, one of the key instruments in music that I listen to, the Moog, Robert Moog, and the, the history. So, But they're going to do lectures about music, lectures about experimental technology. They're going to have movies with sci-fi themes, Adult is going to play like the soundtrack to one of the movies. So much cool stuff going on there. I will talk every month. I'll try and do a little segment on Moogfest. I want to get you geared up for that. I know that uh, just last week I interviewed Heather Pearls, who's playing Moogfest. So I got that interview. I'm just transcribing it and listening to it now and figuring out how I would want to put that into a show. But that's probably coming up next month. I think that's it for just a racket. We've covered a lot of territory. I've played some good music, uh, Radiation City, and I'll come back towards the end of February, around the same time, you know, at the end of the month, and do another episode of Just a Racket. In the meantime, look for the first issue of 2016, A Digital Racket, at issuu.com. Go over to tumblr.com, the Digital Racket page. You'll find there, if you just uh, follow that page, I don't post it very often, but if you keep that as you follow it, you'll find out when I post the new zine. And if you look at the Facebook page, sign up there. You can just click on and like the page, and I'll keep you updated there as well. That is it. I will talk to you soon. I am making a digital racket.